0: Welcome to the Peace of Mind podcast, where we discuss all things vegetarian and vegan, from our discoveries to trends to tips on transition. I'm Olivia. And I'm Sarah. And today we've decided to change it up and bring a personal trainer on the podcast to discuss our topic for today, which is protein powders and supplements. So please give a warm welcome to the show, Olivia.
1: (laughs) So sweet. So you may be confused right now, but hi. I recently became a certified personal trainer and along the way I learned some pretty interesting and helpful tidbits about some of the most common nutrition supplements and protein powders. And Sarah and I thought it would be kind of fun to do a QA and a session so I could share some of that information with you guys.
0: And I just want to take a second to give a big congratulations to Olivia for passing her personal trainer exam. She's been working so hard on it, and I'm so proud of you, and Thanks. I'm so excited that you're, oh. you're on this track now, and I'm so excited to learn things from you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. That's so sweet. Um, I do want to start by saying before we get into it that um, personal trainers are not certified to give specific nutrition advice to individuals. And this can be kind of a confusing line for a lot of people, including personal trainers themselves. So if you are getting advice from a personal trainer in a gym or wherever you might be seeing them, someone that you've hired, including for supplements and protein powders, they should not be giving that advice to you. And so the reason behind that is that some common vitamin and mineral supplements can interact with specific medications, particularly calcium channel blockers and other heart medications super important. So only registered dietitians and physicians can give you the okay, the specific individualized okay to use these things. Uh, If a trainer in the gym or wherever you're seeing a personal trainer is giving you this type of advice, I say take it with a grain of salt and just know that they don't know your specific medical history or conditions you might have. And so if you're looking, if you're interested in trying some of the benefits, they can tell you about what particular types of supplements or vitamins, minerals are used for, but they can't give you the specific recommendation to say, you should take this.
0: And one other thing I want to add is that also, I just learned this from Olivia, that a lot of personal trainers are actually, uh, like they they get commission off of selling Mm -hmm. protein powders and supplements to you, right? So that's just something to to be wary of too, that that could be why they're Trying to push it. Trying to push Absolutely. it, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, the organization that I got certified through is the American Council on Exercise. They're not everyone. There are a bunch of certifying organizations. So not every organization is clear on this position. Um, ACE is the one that has said specifically personal trainers should not be giving this kind of advice because of those potential interactions, because we don't take down specific medical histories. And I think, in general, I think that's smart. Okay, so with that disclaimer out of the way, we put together some questions about common supplements and protein powders that you may come across as you try to optimize your fitness and nutrition. All the stuff we're going to be talking about here are just in general what these things are intended to do and not necessarily that they're right for you. So just if you are considering adopting any of these or you are interested in adopting any of these into your routine, please speak to a qualified professional first. Throw in that disclaimer in again. All right. (laughs) With that, (laughs) we move on. Right. (laughs) Let's get to my questions for you. Okay,
0: so my first question is: So, do you do you think that people need supplements such as protein powders to really maintain highest levels of physical fitness? You know, to get to the peak performance.
1: So, it's a complicated question, I will say. And I went in with this with a specific opinion on pretty much all of these, but there are differences. If you're working at an elite level of fitness, these, um, they're called ergogenic aids, which just means performance enhancing aids, can help you get closer to your genetic limits at a quicker rate than you would otherwise. However, uh, while they can help you increase your muscular strength and size, or how bulky your muscles look than normally possible, that end limit, is mostly determined by your genetics and your genetic potential. So if you're, you know, it's just increasing the speed at which you can get there and recover. So if you are working at a competitive level and doing frequent strenuous events, I think a lot of them can be helpful, but if you're, it's rarely necessary, right? Like most of us are not athletes into adulthood, (laughs) so... Mm -hmm. You know, um, and in fact, I think they can be in some ways a hindrance if you are just um, an average person looking to maintain your fitness and going to the gym and uh, doing different types of exercise. They're added calories, a lot of times added sugar. And they can be, like, good in some ways for your nutrition and bad in others depending on what's in the powder and how you deliver it to yourself, right? If you're putting this in a giant sugary milkshake, as well it's not that great for you and that can lead that can lead to weight gain ultimately which is against most people's goal
0: (laughs) that makes sense and so I would say so most of us aren't elite level athletes a lot of people are athletes but like the type of elite level that we're talking about is probably not where most people are and not where to to a point very unlikely that you would be
1: yes that these would be like that helpful to you and yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So like most of us are not working at the end limit of our genetic potential. <laughs> that's
0: a <cute> great <laughs> way to phrase it. I'm like,
1: <laughs> right? oh, like yeah. if, you're, if you like have absolutely pushed the limit of your speed and size and strength, uh, that's like less than 1% of the population. So, mm-hmm. wow. you know, I think in general, they can be helpful in getting you there faster and helpful in recovering, but most of us are not working on that elite level, nor do we need to recover that quickly most of the time.
0: Okay. So then what about us lay people and lay athletes, (laughs) you know, do, so the, the, does the normal person need to take extra vitamins and mineral supplements to maintain health or be generally physically fit?
1: In general, if you have, you know, barring any disorder or health issue, um, if you have a whole diet that consists of whole plant foods, you should be getting most of the nutrition that you need. There are a few exceptions um, for vegetarians and vegans. Um, In general, B12 is recommended just because it's mostly sourced from animal byproducts in nature. Um, So you may need to get that and that is essential mostly for your neurological health. So not good to skimp on that, Um, but In what's shocked me in a lot of this research, because I was totally a multivitamin taker for a lot of my life, right? My parents had me taking multivitamins. I think a lot of us are raised taking different types of vitamins and think it's pretty necessary or normal. But most of them have found, most research has found no results on the impact of most vitamins in pill form. Uh, They show no significant association between most vitamin supplements, I'll say most, and improved health with a few exceptions, including folic acid for pregnant women and calcium, but not as you might think. All right, it's for reoccurring cancerous polyps, particularly in your colon, has been shown to be effective, which That's is not quite specific. <laughs> right, which is not what they were testing for, right? And um, so it's largely like multivitamins and things that you see are largely ineffective at delivering most of your nutrients and they don't supplement for a bad diet. Like you can't just pop a vitamin and then eat garbage all day mm-hmm. and then you got the nutrition that you need in. And that includes like pretty much, it's really sad. Like reading the list is just like, wow. So all of those vitamins that I took were just, for not, it's like vitamin A. Rolling right
0: through
1: you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is like vitamin A, antioxidant supplements, beta carotene, vitamin E, vitamin C, selenium supplements, and most multivitamins. It just totally no results. Didn't find any extended health benefits in people who took the vitamins versus people who didn't, and that's in pill form. Um, but ultimately, if you are healthy, you probably do have a healthy diet you probably aren't nutritionally deficient in most aspects. But you brought up an interesting point, Sarah, when we were talking about this. that I hadn't really thought about, which is that for people who live in cold areas during the winter and may not spend a whole lot of time outside, um, D3, what did you say? D3,
0: right? Yeah, So, so vitamin D is is one that that comes up a lot for if you don't live in in sunshine because if yeah, you don't live really, in Florida
1: like me if you don't
0: live in Florida yes <laughs> Humble um, brag. yeah and and D3 is the one that is much more, that we can absorb more easily so there's a lot of D2 supplements and there's a lot of D3 supplements and D3 is actually a little bit harder to come by generally especially in vegan and vegetarian forms so um, later on we will give a tip on where to find some pretty okay costing vitamins that are more (laughs) affordable than other ones that I've seen. And I've found um, both B12 and vitamin D3 supplements there, which are the, those are the only two that I take. And again, to Olivia's point for those, and the reason being is that I am unsure if I'm getting adequate amounts of B12 in my vegetarian leaning, pretty vegan diet. And it's such an important vitamin and it's, it's really expensive and like hard to get it tested frequently. So it's like, it's not worth that but it's so important and i based on my diet i'm probably not getting enough of it so that's why i'm choosing to supplement as an insurance policy and similarly with d3 i i've been supplementing with it very selectively in the winter because it is um there's a lot of research on vitamin d and it's honestly kind of up in the air like whether or not it d3 works. supplements are that effective but basically higher levels of vitamin d have equated to like just lower levels of overall mortality so but it's not necessarily cause and effect but i know for a fact that i live in a cold climate and have not been going outside so you know if again as something i don't i don't want to be testing it all the time and it's not that hard to take a supplement right. in the winter for like a few months when i know i'm not going outside at all <laughs> to like make sure i'm just as an insurance policy again but like that's not something you should do with like every single vitamin and yeah i don't right i don't take a multivitamin and yeah so that is why mm-hmm. i take d3 and b12
1: (laughs) and there is some like actually just thought of this but there is some difference too and like it is in general less risky to take vitamins that are water soluble because whatever your body doesn't use or absorb immediately you will flush out totally Um, but there are risks um, associated in general the more risky ones are the ones that are fat soluble so if you are like if you were taking medications that could interact with these vitamins, the more risky ones to take because you can build up over abundant amounts over time, especially as you use those fat stores um, and those can interfere with medications are fat soluble vitamins. So that's something else to consider. And that's a great point because vitamin D3
0: is fat soluble, which is why I'm intentionally very selective about like mm-hmm. not not taking it all the time, making sure I'm like the amount that I'm taking is like appropriate levels because it's good that it's fat soluble in that a lot of the time, you know, your vitamins D stores from the summer can like last you for some months when it's dark and you're not getting as much sun. Mm -hmm. So, but me, for me personally, I'm just choosing to take it on, you know, as a just case, but for a limited amount of time, because I know it's fat soluble and there, it hasn't been shown to have, besides with medication interaction, it hasn't generally been shown to have negative effects from it being stored up. but like, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been shown at all either way. So like, we don't know, it might be an issue to have too much vitamin D stored up in your fat cells over a long, long period of time, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's not clear research on that. So that's a great point about fat soluble vitamins.
1: Right. And so for something like I take B12 and I haven't necessarily consulted a doctor on it. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, I am not a good example of what (laughs) you should be doing (laughs) is what I'm saying but I'm 12. saying that B12 is water soluble. So good whatever my body doesn't need in that moment, it's going mm-hmm. to get rid of it. And that's one of the reasons that I haven't really even mentioned it to a physician. I, I've mentioned it to one physician and said like, Oh, I'm supplementing. And they said, yeah, that's probably fine. And that was a point that they brought up. So I think good that call. is, a, that is a difference as well. But in general, it's always good to be cautious it's always um, good to ask somebody if you aren't sure who's a qualified professional. I'm just going to keep throwing that in here. The- <laughs> <laughs> in case you haven't heard
0: our heavily cavities. <laughs>
1: so, <you> go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. yeah, I think those are the only two. Plus like if you're pregnant, it is proven that taking folic acid supplements very much is good for prenatal health. Um, but with those few exceptions in there, and then calcium's random anti-cancerous polyp benefit yeah. <laughs> in your colon. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, "Okay, sure." That's,
0: that's for people who already have cancerous polyps. Yes.
1: Be, okay, so it's yes. not
0: like to prevent cancerous polyps. It's like, no. only if you have this, has it shown to be effective? Reduce in- the sizes. Yeah. So, okay.
1: So. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Good clarification. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, so switching back to supplements, then. So specifically, all like the protein supplements that we see so frequently. Um, what are the most popular protein supplements and powders on the market?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, you've probably seen them around the gym if you frequent a gym at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say the three that I see most frequently are whey casein and creatine, and all of them are, all of them are based in milk. Or, I'm sorry, whey and casein are based in milk. And so those are technically vegetarian, but neither are vegan. And these are your stereotypical protein supplements. They can make your muscles appear bigger and visibly more bulky with a regular um, strength training and resistance routine. And what that means is, like, a lot of people confuse muscle size with muscle strength. Um, muscular hypertrophy or the size is not the same as how densely strong your muscles are, but a lot of bodybuilders use these things to, you know, a lot of what they're going for is aesthetics and appearance and that's what they're competing for. So whey and casein are really great at increasing the hypertrophy of the muscle and then the speed at which you gain strength. But your muscle strength overall has a genetic potential, right? And so it may increase the speed at which you're gaining these, um, I guess, better attributes that you're working towards. But it doesn't increase that end limit. Um, so yeah, a lot of bodybuilders are trying to push up to the very limit of their genetic potential. And people who are interested in doing that, it can increase the the size appearance of the muscle, but it doesn't increase your end range of muscular strength. And it's important to note that a lot of of these um, animal byproduct-based supplements do have some really like nasty health risks that you don't necessarily, I haven't heard a lot about this in terms of, Sarah's actually the one that brought a lot of it up to me. Um, And it's kind of scary because even in getting a personal training certification, right, they just bring up these supplements as, these are things you may see in the gym right? But they don't talk about the fact that like, for instance, casein may have detrimental health effects where it's correlated with cancerous cell growth. And there is like the National Institute of Health research showed that casein was correlated with increased prostate cancer cell growth in patients who already had prostate cancer, granted. But that's like not a trait you want to be messing around with necessarily just to make your muscles look bigger. Like to yep. me, that's, I mean, I guess it depends on what your priorities are, right? Yeah. But to me, like, you don't need these things to increase your muscular strength. So, in my mind, depending on what your priorities are, mine are to live. So, <laughs> I just steer clear of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then creatine is another popular supplement that's used to enhance sports performance. Your body naturally creates creatine. Um, But taking supplements in either pill or, or, like, protein powder form increases the amount that's stored in your muscles. And it's specifically a chemical that's used to make your muscles contract quickly. So it's great for high-intensity activity. Um, So a lot of athletes take creatine supplements before a high-intensity activity event, such as if you're a sprinter or if you're someone that's doing, like, I don't know, a lot of CrossFit type activities. It can be helpful in that sense, and it is found to be safe overall. However, if you have kidney or liver problems, it is processed through both your kidney and liver. So you want to consult a physician before you start adding excess creatine from external sources to your body, because it is flushed through those channels. Hmm. So, so I'll say like, creatine is an, is specifically a performance enhancer. People take it right before events to you know, increase their muscle stores of the natural substance that your body produces. And it leads to better high intensity activity performance. Um, But again, it's not going to, your body flushes it, whatever it doesn't use. So it's not going to impact your performance in the long run or increase your genetic potential.
0: So is creatine considered like a performance enhancing drug? Is that something that like you wouldn't be able to take before the Olympics? Like how?
1: Because your body naturally produces it, you are allowed to take it at most competitive endurance events. Really? Or competitive high intensity events. Yeah. Because it's um your body does it's a natural substance from your body, but that doesn't mean taking it externally is supernatural. I don't know these specific, like, Olympic rules, but I know... Most I, was, I,
0: I just meant that as, like, a general, like... Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, I official know... A performance and, example where they would... Yeah, it's not considered that. doping. It is okay. a
1: perfectly legal substance. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Whoa. Well, good to know. <laughs> and there are some... The great thing is there are some plant-based protein supplements out there that I think I hadn't really known about. I think these should be more promoted in the fitness community because a lot of them don't have as (laughs) crazy health risks um, in general. Uh, And I think I have seen some of these out and about the most popular one being soy proteins, you know, soy protein mixes. And they're starting to get more
0: popular. I'm seeing advertised everywhere. I feel like now.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. And the hard thing about weighing casein, right? So most of the population of the world is lactose sensitive or intolerant and both have lactose in them. So I've never had either because <laughs> I prefer to keep my stomach and everything else intact. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know these are great alternatives for people who are lactose intolerant that would like to experiment with potentially things that could enhance your muscle appearance or vegan
0: and, or for vegan so there you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're vegan as well, that too. Um, soy protein is the only plant-based protein that's quote-unquote complete, meaning that it provides all the essential amino acids in a single survey. It's high in branched-chain amino acids, which are favored for muscle repair and growth. So it's great. uh, You see a lot of people drinking these after a hard workout for recovery. Um, Soy protein, lately, you know, there's a lot of controversy around genetic modification, and soy is one of those that's just kind of rife with questions. In the U.S., we do allow genetic modification, but there are brands of soy isolate that you can get that are specifically not genetically
0: modified. Well, and if it's anything organic, it won't be GMO. If right. You're, if you're concerned about that, which... Yeah. An episode for another day, not something you're concerned <laughs> about, but if that's good for you, then buy All organic. Right. There you go. <laughs> right. Because right now organic means non-GMO in the U.S.
1: hmm hmm And then people with allergies to soy, obviously, please don't take this. <laughs> um, <laughs> like that just goes without saying. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, and then there is some concern, although the concern out there is, you know, there's a lot of evidence against this, but there are some health impact concerns because of links between soy and breast cancer. Although a lot of those findings are super disputed because most of them, most of those studies were based in animals, and when they've done human trials, it's most, for the most part, not had an impact on people with breast cancer. Um, I will say that, you know, the conclusions on soy, for the most part, I know Sarah and I talked about this, have been debunked as far as the link to causing breast cancer. Um, but there are, like, if you were post-breast cancer and you are on blocking medication, it can increase you know, certain symptoms associated with that medication. But yeah, a lot of the links there are spurious. It's certainly not as clear as like the link between casein and prostate cancer cell growth. So, you know, take your risks where you can get them. Well, and there's also a difference between whole soy food products and then what we're talking about now,
0: which is soy protein isolate. So like there's, I'm not as familiar with the research on soy protein isolate, but on whole soy products, in most like those are, soy products are, are shown to prevent breast cancer and you should not generally be afraid of soy causing you cancer by any means so just to say just to say that
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and the, a lot of the concern with these with pretty much every um protein powder and supplement is the denaturing process that they go through to get into get it into powder form and that's especially true with uh whey and casein they'd go through a like horrendous amount of manufacturing and denaturing and what the chemicals they use to bring out those isolates. Um, And soy goes through a similar process of denaturing to become the soy powder. So I, you know, a lot of that is, you can get a lot of good protein straight from the source, I would say. Um, But it is a good plant-based alternative to whey and casein. It's a pretty, it's adequate in terms of specifically the amino acids it supplies, it's a great direct substitute for those two. And then a couple of others that I've run into, pea protein, I've seen this one a lot more recently and I had no idea what it was. I was literally like, okay, so it's just crushed up peas? I don't know what's going on here. Um, But yellow split peas make up a lot of pea protein. In like whey, it's rich in branched chain amino acids, which is kind of what you're looking for in all of these because it's essential for muscle muscle tissue growth and repair. Um, and pea protein in particular has been proven to be as effective as whey in, in terms of the rate of muscle strength and growth enhancement. Uh, so it's a great vegan substitute, right? Over the same length of time, people taking Doses of pea protein powders saw the same gains as people on whey and casein, so it's a well, healthier alternative and mm-hmm. may even have like additional health benefits, which is great. It can make you feel fuller or longer, and some studies have even shown it can lower blood pressure. So, a good alternative there, I think. I'm, I'm with pea protein. <laughs> <laughs> I will
0: say though, it is, it, it does, because it's the pea protein, it's not just crushed up peas. So they do yeah. take out the protein similar yes. to the, like the soy and the whey process. So yes yes Olivia yes, was yes. joking. It's not crushed up peas. No,
1: <laughs> it's not crushed up peas. Don't make this
0: yourself. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have even said it, but you know what? I did.
0: It does, it, it was, does make you think that it
1: might be that though. So I I understand. Yeah, no, all but of I'm these go, go through a, a process to isolate yeah. the protein specifically. Um, And then the last one that I just want to highlight are, in general, seed-based protein powders. So, like, chia, sunflower, pumpkin seed protein powders are all out there, and they're generally very high in protein and actually healthy fats, which makes it easier to digest in powder. It's easier to digest in powdered forms than, like, eating these seeds alone, and therefore your body is, like, able to more directly absorb those protein and fat nutrients. Interesting. However, none are complete proteins um, in the way that soy is, or a lot of animal-based ones are, animal byproduct-based ones. But th- if you combine them, a lot of times, like combining, for instance, pea protein and some kind of seed-based protein powder, can get you that complete, um, can get you the complete amino acids that you need for that equal muscle growth to something that is animal byproduct-based. Um, And yeah, these are generally used pre and post-workout for muscle growth and recovery. Um, But, you know, in the end, most balanced plant-based diets also provide that. So I think unless you're looking for a specific event, like I need to have this in the next 10 weeks, because that's what most of these are based on a 10 week strength training regimen, I, you know, I don't think your average person needs this to be in shape in the gym or stay in shape. And I think far too many people are using this and aren't really seeing the quote unquote gains from it because you have to be working at a certain level, right? You've gotta be working, going through a regiment, a pretty strict regiment, I think, to see the types of gains that they talk about in the studies that they do on these protein powders. Awesome.
0: So are there any other special considerations, do you think, for vegetarians and vegans when considering supplementation? Any things to look out for or recommendations?
1: Um, yeah, from my own experience, I know it can be difficult to find supplements that are vegan or even vegetarian friendly, As just because a lot of the vitamin and supplement capsules are made of gelatin or, you know, it's just little things like that.
0: Um, It would be easier probably to, so for the supplements, like the powders we were just talking about, that's not an issue here, but for, you're saying for like vitamins and stuff and for
1: things in
0: capsule form, this would be a concern.
1: Yeah. Cause like, for instance, when I was trying to find B12, I could find pretty cheap B12 supplements, but they were all in gelatin capsules. Mm. So I had to go online specifically and order um, a vegan caplet form of B12. So I think that's just something you don't really think about to look out for. Um, But like I said above, there are plenty, as far as powders go, there are plenty of plant-based alternatives that aren't based out of milk that are equally as effective. Um, So if you are interested in, you know, getting the benefits of protein powder and you are competitive at that level and you do want to um, try it out, there are plenty of alternatives for you out there
0: and i also just want to chime in to recommend the website vitacost.com i just learned about it recently and it's where i've started to buy um my b12 and d3 because they have their selection is just massive and their prices are really really good and ever since i bought one thing i get like at least 3 discount emails a week which is annoying until i'm going to need it and then i get like 20% <laughs> off the thing you know what i mean so That's like that makes that makes such a big difference so yeah i've been i've been really um Pleasantly surprised with their site and their options, and I'll—I I just type in. You can just type in like vegan B12 supplement, vegan D3 supplement, and just source by that, search by that specifically, um, hmm. or whatever other. They have different filters that you can use if you're allergic to certain things to to hone in on supplements that'll work for you.
1: Hot tip! Yeah. I'll have, have to check that out next time. We're going for the B12 because it was pretty hard to even find it on Amazon. To be honest with you, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I yeah they're not it's this is a great abundant source of of many vitamins so yep that's great that's great so i'll end on this note which is that as long as you're maintaining a balanced diet in whole plant foods barring any other health conditions you're for the most part likely getting what you need nutritionally to be fit um if you believe you're deficient in anything, it's always a good idea to speak to a qualified professional before starting any kind of supplementation or regimen just to make sure there's no interactions. Um, I say that as a bad example, as you heard, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's just, it's always a good idea, highly encourage it. And if you are, if you think you are nutritionally deficient or you're interested in, i don 't know i don 't know who our listeners are, maybe you 're an athlete or something, and you like <laughs> you like the idea of getting the gains really fast. Um, you know be careful out there, kids <laughs> <laughs> and in
0: case you are someone who is still skeptical about being able to make gains on a vegan diet, there are a multitude of wonderful social influencers who have demonstrated that it, you can have incredible gains and Oh, yeah. And win all the marathons <laughs> and all the crazy Ironman events and every, everything from strength training to distance running. You know, there's just fantastic examples. And some of our favorites that we, we just wanted to highlight and we will link in our show notes um, mm-hmm. include Leo and John Venus. Um, they both have independent channels and they're both like incredible, ripped vegan athletes beautiful people. I'm just like, wow, that's that's cool. Your family must be (laughs) like, that's just awesome.
1: There's some Uh, good genes in that. There's some good genes there. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and then Rich Roll, one of my personal favorites, he has a fantastic podcast. Um, he is an ultra distance runner. He's won I've, I've lost track. So like a couple iron mans and yeah, he has a fantastic podcast that I would also recommend that isn't all about, um, athletics. Um, Nimai Delgado, um, Naturally Stephanie, No Meat Athlete, uh, Conscious Muscle, and then Pazifidivi, which
1: I just yes. learned of today, and I'm so excited to check her out. So She's awesome. You should definitely check her out. She's very um, cross-sectional on the identity and interest level, so highly recommend her. <laughs> She's a personal trainer, plant-based nutritionist. Uh, like, Yeah, it's crazy a lot of things going on on that channel. Love it. So we want to hear from you guys. Have you tried protein powders or other supplements before? We'd love to hear about your experience. If you can email us at peace of at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at peace of mind pod on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks so much for listening guys. We'll catch you next time. Peace out.